just an incredible focus on our mission, on our doctrine, and our way of doing church that says, there's room for the Holy Spirit to work here. I'm hearing that story all over the world, and it's an exciting time to be a part of what God is doing. Yeah. I tell you, Byron, yeah. my main metaphor for my work, uh, as I said, I lead 16 of these annual conferences. Frankly, it's like I'm on a level five river, whitewater, with the Holy Spirit sending so much water down the canyon, I'm having trouble staying in the boat, staying off the rocks. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to today's Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We're going to look at the Global Methodist Church today. Our guest is Bishop Scott Jones, formerly the leader of the United Methodist Great Plains and Houston Episcopal Areas. Scott has resigned and withdrawn from that denomination and received a call into the ministry of the Global Methodist Church as an elder back in January of 2023. Scott joins us right now here on the Bot Radio Network on Mid-South Viewpoint. Scott, thank you so much for joining us today. Byron, it's my joy to visit with you and through you to all of your listeners. Well, you were recently here in town in Memphis. I guess this was really the first conference for the Global Methodist Church. It was held at Christ Church, really down the street from our radio station. Unfortunately, I was not able to come and personally meet you, but I'm so glad that we have this opportunity to do the show today. It was a great conference. The Holy Spirit showed up, and we had quite a group of people praying, worshiping, and learning about how to live in this new expression of Methodism. Let's kind of lay a foundation, if we can, Scott. You have an extensive background in the Methodist Church history. What are the foundational biblical roots that helped to formulate the Methodist Church theology and doctrine originally? Well, it all goes back to the 1730s in England, when John Wesley felt called by God to lead a movement to renew the Church of England and to spread scriptural holiness across the country. Well, as the American colonies developed, Methodism spread to America and it became an independent church in 1784. It's had a number of expressions in the 1718 and 1900s, and now in the 21st century, the Global Methodist Church is being formed as a new expression to carry forward that basic approach to how we follow Jesus as uh, followers who are committed to being a holy people and through that process to change the world. You know, Scott, I have been told some of my family history that one of my great-grandfathers was a circuit rider with the Methodist Church in Arkansas many, many years ago. Well, a lot of us have that history behind us. My great-grandfather was uh, a preacher in Iowa among German immigrants. He wasn't riding a horse, so if you've got a circuit <laughs> rider uh, who is actually riding a horse around, that was how Methodism spread into Tennessee and Arkansas. What would you say is the biggest threat to maintaining the church's original intent? When I get to heaven, I'm going to pick a bone with God. I'm going to say, God, surely you could have found a better way of accomplishing your purposes than using human beings. We are sinners. We are short-sighted. We are limited. We're easily distracted. Surely, God, you could have found a better method. <laughs> and I suspect God will do me like he did Job and say, who are you to question my methods? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the universe? So I'll humbly repent. But still, it's frustrating because the biggest threat to the vitality of the church are human beings who 
quit looking to Jesus and begin getting distracted by other values and other purposes. Prior to the theological disagreements that have caused many United Methodists to depart from their denomination, what reason was your biggest joy to be associated with the United Methodist Church? There is nothing in the United Methodist Church's official doctrine that uh, I have any objection to. In fact, the Global Methodist Church continues most of those uh, official doctrinal statements. Uh, And so for me to be a Wesleyan Christian, the United Methodist Church nurtured me, taught me. The problem came when pastors, lay people, bishops uh, weren't quite living it out. I've spent the last 35 years seeking the renewal and revitalization of Methodism and uh, finally decided that was best going to happen in a new denomination. Now, we've seen signs of some revival, you know, we look at the revival at Asbury and other breakouts around the country and even around the world. Well, Byron, I am bishop of 16 annual conferences stretching from Philippines to the Kenya to uh, Mississippi and Tennessee. And in all those places, I'm seeing the Holy Spirit at work. It's an exciting time. It finally dawned on me that after 35 years of praying for renewal and revitalization, I'm finally living it. and God has answered my prayers. Oh, that's a beautiful thing, Scott. Well, how long did you wrestle with the thought of leaving the United Methodist before resigning and withdrawing from the denomination? It became clear in 2016 that some sort of split was coming. And I wanted to help the conservative wing of the Methodist movement stay together as much as possible. And so for the whole uh, eight years from 2016 to 2022, I was working to lay foundations to help congregations make decisions that were well-informed and wise, and then to uh, finally to leave the United Methodist Church and commit myself and the rest of my ministry to uh, the Global Methodist Church. Where and when, Scott, did the idea of the creation of the Global Methodist Church get its start? In 2016, after the Supreme Court decision about same-gender marriage, uh, conservative leaders began to talk to other denominations, notably Episcopalians and Lutherans and Presbyterians, and they got advice that they need to make plans early. Even though it wasn't until 2019 that it became inevitable for a split to happen, Really, the first three years were preparation work. A group called the Wesleyan Covenant Association began uh, laying the groundwork for it. Then in 2020, uh, I was, along with uh, two other leaders, convened a planning group of 32 people in Atlanta for three days and drew up plans for a denomination and a leadership council that would guide it. Uh, And then in 2022, the decision was made to pull the trigger and actually launch the new denomination as a legal entity. So really, this new denomination is only, well, it will be two years old on May 1st. And so we're still in the very formative stages. Most of our documents use the word transitional and provisional, because when our general conference meets in September, we will finally make some final decisions and become Uh, more permanent in our structure and our teachings. What are some of those key theological and doctrinal stands of the Global Methodist Church? I think Methodism's gift to the larger body of Christ is a focus on what John Wesley called scriptural holiness. That is, obedience to 
God's command that God wants a holy people. And yet, the scripture way to achieve holiness is by grace through faith, as it says in Ephesians 2. And so uh, that focus on personal transformation, on personal and social holiness, uh, knowing that God's grace is the only vehicle for that to happen and that God has chosen human beings to use their faith in response, that's a centerpiece. Now, we are Orthodox and share the Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed with lots of other uh, Christians. We believe in the authority of Scripture. But our way of reading the Bible really is focused on this uh, ministry of God's grace leading towards scriptural holiness that is our unique sort of take on what the Bible teaches. What have been some of the biggest challenges for the Global Methodist Church to take flight? I think the biggest challenge, without any question, is that many of our local churches leaving the United Methodist Church have what some call post-traumatic stress syndrome. They're leaving a denomination, and they're not quite sure they want to join a new denomination. They're not sure they want anything to do with a bishop. Uh, And even though we're doing it differently, and even though I'm a different kind of bishop, uh, people are really lacking trust. And I'm a historian. I've taught Methodist history now for almost 30 years. Uh, And when when I say that we have this lack of trust. I'm remembering days and times when, well, Methodist bishops were useful, when uh, the church was growing, when there was a high commitment to discipleship. Uh, I'm trying to get back to that kind of Methodism rather than what we've experienced for the last 50 years. What have been some of the encouraging signs of the global Methodist direction since you've joined the movement? I think our mission statement is pretty clear. We do believe that the mission of our church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ, quoting Matthew 28, of course. But then we also add with it, who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. So that I find in all of these Global Methodist gatherings that I attend, a real commitment to worship that's going to facilitate the power of the Holy Spirit in the room, who are also committed to loving others, uh, all people everywhere, extravagantly, and then who are also interested in planting churches and doing evangelism. This is new for a Methodist meeting for us, and I'm finding so many people who experience great refreshment and power in all these gatherings that I'm attending. Scott, you alluded to some of the fears and maybe reservations that some Methodist pastors might have moving out of the United Methodist Church into the global Methodist Church. You've experienced this yourself, and think about those pastors and how difficult it is for a United Methodist pastor to move out of a denomination that they've been associated with, in most cases since a young child, and generationally have been connected with, and start over with global Methodist. Well, one of the things is I find a lot of my colleagues who share my beliefs and share my concerns, they just resist change. They want to say, well, it's not really as bad as people say, or it's going to be okay, or there's always going to be a place for me. Uh, These are all sort of attitudinal things that says, I don't want to make a change unless I absolutely have to, and I don't feel like I have to yet. Well, I think the United Methodist Church is going to be moving in a progressive, liberal direction. 
The only real question is how far and how fast it's going to go. And as things develop over the next months and years, uh, some of my conservative friends are going to say, uh-oh, I should have jumped when Scott did. And uh, by then, it'll be a lot harder. Have you got any feedback or stories from those who have jumped ship, you know, and have joined the Global Methodist Church, even in its infancy here, some of their experiences and the things they're hearing in their congregations? One of my friends puts it this way. He says, we have lived in brackish water for 50 years. And when you move to fresh water, you didn't realize how bad it used to be until you're into this new place. Uh, his church has experienced growth of about 20% in the last 12 months. Uh, and he goes to these global Methodist meetings and feels the power of the Holy Spirit and comes home refreshed and renewed. Uh, I'm hearing so many stories of people who have made the jump. Their churches are now growing, partly because there's just an incredible focus on our mission, on our doctrine, and our way of doing church that says there's room for the Holy Spirit to work here. I'm hearing that story all over the world, and it's an exciting time to be a part of what God is doing. Yeah. I tell you, Byron, yeah. my main metaphor for my work, uh, as I said, I lead 16 of these annual conferences. Frankly, it's like I'm on a level five river, whitewater with the Holy Spirit sending so much water down the canyon, I'm having trouble staying in the boat and staying off the rocks. <laughs> At least we know who's taking care of you on that journey too, right? <laughs> I do indeed, but it's a quite a ride. Oh, I love it. Well, what seems to be the strongest area of agreement that unites pastors and their congregations that have made that move into the Global Methodist Church? I think there's a focus on the role of the Holy Spirit in our worship services, in our discernment and deliberation. We have been in a church that was fighting over social justice issues in so many ways for the last 50 years. And now we're in a place where we're just not fighting anymore. And there's a lot more trust and a lot more willingness to say, okay, we know the direction we're going. Um, Tell us uh, how to best do that so that we're as effective and fruitful as we possibly can be. Uh, that's the focus. Now, we've got a lot of bad habits to unlearn. Uh, too many United Methodist pastors never led a single person to faith in uh, the last calendar year. They've got to learn how to be a bold witness again and to empower their lay people to be bold witnesses, inviting non-believers to come to Jesus. Well, that and, was one of the things that I noticed that a priority focus for the Global Methodist is reaching new people for the gospel. So what's the key in growing with this focus and how do you keep from becoming stagnant in reaching this goal? You've got to maintain relationships with non-believers. Too much of the time, our people are only associating with fellow believers, which is comforting, comfortable, uh, very pleasant, but that's not our calling. Our calling is to be witnesses for Christ in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, and that means you've got to have a relationship with some non-believers and be willing to uh, invite them to church, to give your testimony. Uh, and then in some cases, if you're gifted at this, to be a mentor, to help uh, facilitate a new birth in the life of this other person. Uh, too many, well, I was bishop in the Texas Annual Conference with 600 churches. And in 2018, 300 of those churches had zero professions of faith in a year. That means they didn't even have a confirmation class for children. 
and so the fact that in East Texas, a relatively conservative part of the country, uh, half of the Methodist churches, United Methodist churches there, didn't have any professions of faith, um, that's a problem. And that means we've got some bad habits that have got to be unlearned, and it just means my role as bishop is to keep lifting up the goal of evangelism and then helping people find ways of practicing that gift with their neighbors and friends. You think that could be related to the church in America becoming too materialistic and program-driven? Well, that's absolutely part of the problem. And it's also that, you know, in our culture, we're seeing lots of surveys that say people are isolated. They don't have friends anymore. In one uh, uh, study, he blamed the sociologist blamed the lack of community life in America on air conditioning and television. And now we can throw the Internet on top of it. So people stay glued to their screens rather than out talking to their neighbors. Yeah. Uh, and so. We've got to have those kinds of relationships built and then be bold witnesses for Christ within those relationships. Scott, you mentioned the mission of the Global Methodist Church a moment ago, forming disciples who worship passionately, love extravagantly, and witness boldly. What kind of accountability is there among the churches connected with Global Methodists to consistently move toward that mission and make sure you're staying on track with that mission? One of our other values, Byron, is to have transformational discipleship systems in our local churches, which means that as many believers as possible ought to be in a small accountability group where somebody asks them, how is it with your soul? Where did you fall short this week? What triumphs have you had this week? Well, part of what we're trying to build into our conferences is that every pastor ought to belong to that kind of small group. And you can add not only for personal holiness, but professional accountability, somebody ought to be asking a pastor, have you led anybody to Christ this week? In my 30 years as a United Methodist pastor uh, and then bishop, nobody asked me for that kind of accountability. Now, in many of our conferences, we've got leaders like me asking regional leaders, asking local church pastors, uh, what are you doing about evangelism? How are you helping your people grow in holiness? And so that there's more of an accountability system built in at every level of our church, reaching all the way to us as bishops. Yes. Well, with Global being associated with your name, and you've already mentioned several of the jurisdictions outside the United States that you're all seeing, <laughs> what does this mean for reaching the people outside of the United States with Global Methodist Church? Will you be appointing missionaries to overseas assignments? Um we are encouraging people to become missionaries, but we're also building partnerships so that the Mississippi-West Tennessee Conference has an official partnership with Methodists in Angola. Uh, we are forming a new conference in Angola. I'm going to be visiting there at the end of March uh, to help them get registered with the government and to organize their churches and their pastors and work on training pastors there. So that the partnership here is that for people in Mississippi and West Tennessee, they can have people to pray for, to know personally, to share resources with, and to receive back from them the inspiration that comes from being around 
Christians in very difficult and different situations. So I am bishop of 16 conferences. Byron, one thing that's going to happen soon, I'm leaving Monday for a 47-day trip around the world in nine countries where I will be organizing global Methodist units in these countries and helping them to figure out how are we going to train pastors and how are we going to help grow the church in these countries. It's an exciting time, and so many of these people in Africa and the Philippines and South America are wanting to uh, be associated with this new denomination. So you're encouraged by those signs that there are those outside the U.S. want to be on board, too. Absolutely. The Methodist movement has been planting churches in these countries for over 150 years, and now that they see a traditional a global denomination forming, they're saying to us, we want to be a part of it. Oh, that's beautiful. Scott, what are some of your concerns in keeping the global Methodist church from ending up in the graveyard of churches and denominations? I think clarity of doctrine, accountability, discipline, and the selection of a new generation of leaders is absolutely crucial. I'm 69 years old, Byron. One of these days, I'm going to finally hang it up and quit doing all this work and serve Jesus more locally. Uh, But I think that when we select the next generation of bishops and clergy to be leaders in the Global Methodist Church, we've got to be very prayerful and careful in how we select people who will carry on this same direction. There's no guarantee for any human church that uh, they'll always be faithful. But if we stay focused on our purpose and clear about our doctrine and accountable in our discipline, uh, good things can happen. Amen. Well, how have the changes of moving into the global Methodist church impacted your family personally, especially your wife, Mary Lou? (laughs) Well, my wife ran a construction company for 35 years. She owned it and was building bridges in several states. Uh, Our daughter came and said, Mom, it's time for you to retire. Uh, That wasn't welcome news, but Mary Lou did it anyway. And now she realized it was God's timing because she's going with me to all these places and uh, uh, organizing uh, women's ministries and spouse groups and things like that. So we're traveling together. We relocated from Houston to Dallas and to our retirement home near two of my grandchildren. We have been traveling the world the last 12 months and just finding God's blessing so many places. It's an incredibly exhausting time, but it's also such a blessing to be a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Great word there, Scott. Have you had to deal with misunderstandings and feelings from friends and associates within the United Methodist Church since your departure? And how have you dealt with those difficult situations? You know, a number of people that I used to be colleagues with are not speaking to me. Uh, A few of them have uh, posted very negative and false things about me on the Internet. I just realized that Jesus's word in the Sermon on the Mount is so important that if people are persecuting you, you got to pray for them. you got to love your enemies. You've got to have compassion. Uh, What the United Methodist Church is going through is so difficult. I've got to realize that they're in a lot of pain because they're pursuing a progressive agenda, and now they're paying a heavier price than they ever imagined for it. I pray for them by name. I I stand open for building relationships again, but 
this is a difficult time for everybody, and we just have to sort of wade our way through it. So I guess your prayer life has changed quite a bit since you've joined the Global Methodist Church. Well, I've always had a long intercessory prayer list. It's just gotten a little longer the last year. (laughs) What has God taught you most about His church through this process? That the Church of Jesus Christ has a lot of different forms, and that everybody is seeking the guidance of the Holy Spirit to serve Christ in their context to the best of their ability. I've become much more broad-minded about things and much more aware of other different Christian groups and denominations and appreciative of the gifts they bring to bear. I have spoken with Anglican bishops. I have built a relationship with the North American Lutheran Church, been reaching out to Roman Catholics. There's just a lot of good things going on in the Christian family, and I'm grateful to be part of it. Well, if listeners would like to follow you on social media or email you about something that we've discussed today, how can they do that? I have a Facebook page uh, that is Scott Jameson Jones, and there will be news about me coming through the Global Methodist website, globalmethodist.org. Any other final thoughts before we say goodbye? I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to share the good news. God is doing some amazing things, and we ought to be just in awe at what the Holy Spirit's up to and asking how we can participate in that. So your listeners, I hope, will look for ways that they can serve Christ wherever they are. Bishop Scott Jones of the Global Methodist Church, thank you for being so transparent with us here today on the Bot Radio Network on Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for sharing about the Global Methodist Church here today. I'm looking forward to some updates in the future with you. That would be great. And thanks for the opportunity for the conversation, Byron. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on today's Mid-South Viewpoint here on the Bot Radio Network. I'm Byron Tyler. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. If you would like to listen to today's show again, go to BotRadioNetwork.com and look for Mid-South Viewpoint under the broadcast tab. The show is also available on your favorite podcast platforms or on our Bot Radio Network mobile app.